0: Hello and welcome to the Bite-Sized Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are uh, Troy Sandlin, Catherine Linkquist, and we have a special guest on our show today, uh, James Intercasa. Yay, James. Yay. Woo. Really glad to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a—it's uh, an honor, frankly, to uh, to be here among the greats, among the uh. greats.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Uh, your ep- your uh, podcast that you just uh, uh, bowed out of uh, mm-hmm. crossed over its 200th episode, is that right?
1: Yes, yeah, we, we it, will be. So the 200th will be my last, uh, and that'll be at the yes. end of October. Oh, the end so. of
0: October. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, we've got but, a few years to get there, I think, so.
1: <laughs> yeah it does feel that way uh, the 2020 has been a decade so far yep. um so, it has been uh, <laughs> yep. but i uh yeah it's uh it, the show itself will actually continue um mm-hmm. it's gonna go over to the geek Spective podcast network cool. um where it will have new hosts uh so amber kenny and john are going to take over uh so yeah it takes I'm, three very people. <laughs> it
2: takes three people to fill your shoes james <laughs> uh, and I and I have to say, I have to say, Tabletop Babble is one of the very first. I think probably, probably in the in the first three podcasts I ever started listening to and subscribed to, and have listened to every single episode.
1: Wow! Thank you so it much. Is, that is huge.
2: <laughs> it is a it is a staple on my podcast list. Oh, my Most gosh. Most definitely.
1: Wow. Thank you, Troy. Thank you. It and is, I also uh... want to
2: say that you have cost me a lot of money because every time <laughs> you have a guest on there and they talk about something, I go and I usually go and buy it. So.
1: Uh, well, so it I. I- yeah, I was going to say look forward to uh to the Geek Spective folks uh, making you spend more of your money cuz I don't think they oh, plan great. to stop having awesome uh, designers and things like that on there. <laughs> oh my god, <gosh. laughs> fantastic. <That's awesome.
0: laughs> Yes, that is the show that we would aspire to be sub-day, but until then, uh, you're stuck with us. So, um, (laughs) you know what? Let's go ahead and let's get started. Uh, James, really glad to have you. We're going to talk about some news um, and some new products, and then we're going to dive in to uh, talking about you. So, uh, let's go ahead and jump in. Troy, you have a Call of Cthulhu product you want to talk about.
2: I do. Uh, Call of Cthulhu Berlin, The Wicked City. Um, and again, as podcasts tend to do, uh, I was listening to the 307 podcast, and they were talk. Patrick was talking to uh, David, yeah, David Larkins, the author, and uh, it just piqued my interest. It is it is Berlin set right after World War Two uh, or World War One, and into the rise of Hitler. Mm. And how that was uh, at the time, Berlin was uh, a destination for debauchery, mm. and they they have taken the Cthulhu mythos and woven it into actual events and people from that area, that and fun. I am just I am just totally intrigued. So if you want some 1920s, uh, wicked Cthulhu action. Uh, check out Call of Cthulhu, Berlin, The Wicked City.
0: Yeah. That's from uh, Chaosium and their 7th yes. edition of the game, So, uh, which is really, really fun. Everybody should check it out. We've talked about it before, um, and I, I'm sure I'll get this book eventually. So sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it looks fantastic. Cool. Uh, Catherine, what do you have for us today?
3: Um, I've got a couple of things. Uh, I'll do... Party of Two first, because that one will be pretty bad. Um, Party of Two is, uh, they're on Patreon, but if you just search Party of Two D&D maps, then you'll find uh, a bunch of their images. Uh, They make super vibrant, super colorful um, D&D, or TTRPG in general, maps. Um, And they're super affordable to support. On Patreon, they have like a two dollar tier that gets you the their entire um, their entire map library so far, mm. um, and like I don't I don't believe you can grab all of them at the same time. Gotcha. Like I think there's a certain number of maps that you can that you can grab per month on that tier, but mm-hmm. um, but they're all even the they've found a way. So you know me, I like. Um, I like you know Feywild type vibrancy in like everything, uh, <laughs> even if it's like even um, in the mundane world dark. it needs to have yeah yeah yes yes and um, they've accomplished that in my eyes with like they have a dwarven stronghold like an underground set there and they have a Feywild set and they have a. Um, an underdark set which is also super super cool the way they took that um anyway so if you if you are thinking that you would like to bring a little bit more color to your maps or even just like cool interesting different details um then party of two is a good place to go for that that's really cool Um, yeah it's super awesome
0: yeah john typically is our map guy and uh, he likes those, like, dark, gritty, realistic maps. So if you're not John,
3: <laughs> this is the other side yes. of that. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, really fast, um, oh, yeah. my other one is, uh, there is an account that I follow on Instagram, um, encounter Terrain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't want to say it fast, or else I might like mess it up. But uh, Encounter Terrain has he hosts a monthly ten by ten base terrain build contest. Okay. Um. So people, there's a huge uh, crafting community on Instagram, specifically for D and D or other TTRPG um, like terrain pieces that people craft out of styrofoam or clay, or things like that. Um, and it's a really cool way, his his contest, it's super casual in the contest aspect of it. Everybody's just, you know, admiring everybody else's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a really fun place, and it's cool to learn other techniques from other crafters.
0: That's really awesome. Uh, so I'm seeing that you have a website here, EncounterTerrain.com, and then it's mm. also an Instagram page. So there's a couple different ways yeah. to find it.
3: Yeah. You, and also once you just join in on the contest on Instagram, um, then you can also join in on a discord server. So if you're more uh, active on discord than Instagram, then you can get that link too. Uh, but the, the sub, the website is where you can see all the submitted entries, um, from past months, plus a bunch of other cool stuff.
0: Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, James, I want to give you an opportunity here. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to throw into the mix bag?
1: Yes, yeah. So there's there's two things. The first is um uh so harlem unbound uh just released its second edition uh which is incredible it's an amazing call of cthulhu source book um where you play uh black uh private investigators in the 1920s uh in new york city um and uh it's written by chris spivey who's this genius designer uh it's probably uh, one of the most important and poignant uh, RPG source books to come out uh, within the last five years or so. Um, but one of the things that's very cool is, if you want to check it out, uh, they are going to be running an actual play of this that Ooh. Chris Spivey is going to be the GM for. So the designer of the game is the GM, uh, and his players are Misha B., uh, Ariel Celeste, uh, Jennifer Kretschmer, uh, Quinn Murphy, and a young unknown named Matthew mercer um so huh. uh, it's nice
2: it's nice they're giving a platform to the unknowns that's awesome
1: exactly exactly <laughs> uh so uh, so that's one definitely to check out uh, it's going to be august 16th but i'm uh, at 2 p.m eastern time uh on the darker okay. hue twitch channel uh, i'm sure it'll be hosted on roll 20 and a, a bunch of other places but the other thing is like um i'm sure there will be a youtube video available and so no matter when you're listening to this you can go check it out um fantastic that's super cool i can do that the world of role-playing game news uh did you all hear about the uh the dragon prince announcement here um so dragon prince
3: yeah, I so, saw something about that, but I'm such a newbie around here. I'm not really sure what it is.
1: Sure. So uh, d- you know, the, the, there's a Netflix series that's uh, rather yeah. popular, an anime show called The Dragon Prince, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. Fandom, uh, the the company that makes all those wonderful wikis uh, and and many other <laughs> things, uh, they own D and D Beyond, um, gotcha. and they. Oh, also own okay. the Cortex role playing game system, which they bought like a, a year or so ago. Right, right. About it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so Cortex is going to be C- Cortex bought the license. So Fandom bought the license to uh, the Dragon Prince, and they're working with you know the people who make the Dragon Prince and Netflix to put out a Tales from Zadia Dragon Prince RPG that's going to use the Cortex system. But what that also means is, like, the, the reason this is such a, a big deal, in addition to, like, cool, we're going to get a cool new RPG based on a, a property that a lot of people love, is that it's fandom-backed, right? This is a big yeah, company yeah. that has a lot of connections, and I think this is going to be the first of, I would imagine, many licensed RPGs we'll see for Cortex. Cortex, um, it's it's got a new edition out, and it used it previously had powered, like, The Firefly role-playing game and the Supernatural role-playing game and Marvel years and years ago. Um, So this is, uh, I think this is the first step towards something big, especially when you consider, okay, fandom, you also own D&D Beyond. So presumably mm -hmm. the Dragon Princes will have uh, a set of digital tools with it as well that are, you know, clean and easy to use like D and D Beyond. Um so so to me, I think that's big I think that's a a little blip on the radar that is going to get bigger and bigger as it approaches.
0: That's really cool. cool. Now Cortex, um I am not familiar with that system. Is there a elevator pitch for what that system does well?
1: Yes. So Cortex is a system built to have uh, pieces of it, and and I am not an expert in Cortex either, so please oh, sure. uh, be kind, the internet. Uh, <laughs> if somebody else is, please jump in. Um, Troy, do you know Cortex?
2: Uh, no, I, I talked to uh, some individuals at PAX Unplugged, and mm-hmm. they were talking about the Cortex uh, system and its uh, connection to D&D Beyond, but it was it wasn't much more than that.
1: Yeah, so it's a it's a skill based system, right? Where you uh you roll uh dice for your you, like you have a bunch of core skills and you roll for those. Um, but it's similar to like fate, um, which is also a skill based system. Uh, there are, it's easy to swap in and out components and layer rules on top of it and that kind of thing. So like, if you are in a game that needs a magic system, you can kind of pull their magic system into your game. Or if you're in a game where you're like super spies and you don't need a magic system, you can leave that off to the side. So it's got a lot of, um, pieces you can pull in and out and it's meant to be like a, hey, you can play a lot of different uh, action-y games here with this Cortex system.
0: Cool. Awesome.
1: I like that. I
2: like we'll,
0: that. We'll check out the Dragon Prince, and we'll check out uh, Harlem Unbound. Those two are sound really cool. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. I know Harlem Unbound has been making the rounds on social media. It's getting a lot of buzz, so that's a really cool product. Yeah. So, cool. Uh, I've got a couple here. I had a couple other things listed, but um, I got a couple Kickstarters in this week. Um, As we know, uh, in the Kickstarter marketplace, everything was delayed due to COVID pretty much. And some of these projects were meant to be out in February, and they're just now uh, hitting shelves now. Uh, So I want to give them a couple shout-outs. The first one that I'll shout-out is Underworld Layers by kobold press Um, this is another iteration in their soft cover um mini adventure series um this one ties to their version of the underdark and it uses monsters from tome of beasts and creature codex um and i'm always i think i own all of these um i'm always a fan of them they're really great to drop into your homebrew world um I have the whole list on the back shelf and when my players go to a place that I wasn't expecting I can just pull one of the books down flip to a cool dungeon and or adventure whatever it happens to be and uh give them a good two or three sessions. Um Underworld Layers is no different. It's really good. Um I've read several of them already and uh I think what I've read so far has been high quality fun um uh, good maps. Um, and the creature design with cobalt press is always on point. So, props to them. Wow. The other one that I'll talk about um, has been a long time in coming. I think I talked to these guys about this project back at Origins 2019. Um, I think that I had just backed this book at that point. It's um, by Nord Games, Ultimate Bestiary, The Dreaded Accursed. Uh, this is the second run in their Ultimate Bestiary si- uh, uh, series, and this one focuses on undead and cursed creatures. Uh, so it's got, uh, of course, lycanthropes and things like that, but it's also got, um, goodness, mummies and specters and mongrel folk and revenants. Oh, my. And- yeah. <laughs> A whole lot of stuff. <laughs> um It's a hardcover book. Um, This one's quite a bit larger than their first run in the series. Uh, This one comes in at just over 260 pages, I believe. Um, And the thing that'll tell you, if you haven't picked up the Ultimate Bestiary um, series yet, is that it's not... This may sound like a negative at first, but it's not trying to do anything new. Um, The creatures in it are creatures that you are going to be familiar with. And that goes for both books. The first book has... Uh, ogres and goblins and orcs and things like that. Um, It's not trying to create a creature that you've never heard of. It's trying to give a wider CR and variety spread for the creatures that are probably right there in the monster manual. Um, So instead of having one or two options for the specter, you know have eight or ten. And they go all the way up to like a CR 15 I think. They've got a dragon, a shadow dragon there specter dragon
3: that'd be su- I can dig that, super though. useful that's pretty cool that's awesome. yeah yes mm-hmm. yeah.
0: it's it's definitely something that you can do if you know if you're if you feel comfortable in the uh monster creation aspect of D, you can probably make just about anything that's in this book pretty quickly but if you don't have the time or you don't feel comfortable then the uh this bestiary uh book is a really great supplement um I'll go ahead and note one last thing for them, uh, because I do like to kind of give notes where notes are due, even if they're not always super positive. Uh, Their books are always high quality. I like how they find them. I like the the general feel of the book. I think it's going to last quite a long time. I will note, though, that if you have never bought a Nord Games book before, you're going to see a lot of uh, empty space on the page. They are not one who crams a ton of stuff in. Um, so this 260-page book, probably from any other publisher, would probably be like 220, 200. Um, okay. You'll see a lot of white space on the page. So just a heads up, don't expect the same design, the same feel from this thick book as you would from Kobold Press or Watsi or somebody like that. So Or Kobold, yeah. So. That's that. That's what I've got today, Very and nice. I think that's it. <clears throat> awesome. So with that, we've done our dessert round that we always do first. Let's go ahead and dive into our main course for this evening. Uh, today we have James with us. James, um, I have a list here of some of the things that you've done um, that we're all familiar with. Uh, obviously, Troy's already talked about tabletop bat. Babel. Um, You've worked with companies like Wattsy, Cobalt Press, Life Flourish, the Gilded Epp Program, MCDM. But today, we're here to talk about um, Burn Bright, which is your brand new product.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, th- thank you uh, for for having me, and I am super excited to uh, to be here to be talking about Burn Bright mm-hmm. um, because I started Burn Bright over three years ago. Um, wow. So uh, yeah, it was uh, sort of later in 2016 um, that we got started officially on Burn Bright and we had been having conversations about Burn Bright since March of that year. Um, mm. So it's uh, it's really, really very exciting to be at a place where I can come on to podcasts and talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so Burn Bright is an original science fantasy RPG that was built from the ground up for Roll20 and it's optimized for that virtual tabletop Um, and Roll20 is the publisher it's exclusively available on Roll20's platform Um, and so it makes use of Roll20's features uh, Mm -hmm. as far as that goes for it to be playable and then it is a science fantasy story that takes place in the Olaxus galaxy which is the last galaxy in existence uh Alexis is surrounded by this phenomenon that its people call the burn and it's called the burn because it looks like this orange borealis effect sort of like a orange and red northern lights almost mm-hmm. in the sky and whenever the burn is totally encloses the galaxy uh and is erratically and slowly advancing forward and anytime a planet a space station a person disappear beyond the burn they are never seen or heard from again and Hmm. so the there are many theories as to what the burn is Uh, a lot of people think like this is the Opposite of the Big Bang happening, right? It's this instead of a fast, uh, you know, explosion, it's a slow collapse, uh, and this is just part of what's happening. Uh, other people have religious reasons or conspiracy theories or all manner of things that they believe about the burn. Uh, we in the book never say which one is right, um, so we leave that up to the the GM and the players to kind of decide if that's even important to the story they're going to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, there's about a hundred years left. Uh, Uh, before the burn totally encloses uh, alexis and and makes everything disappear so that means in most people's lifetime the burn will not consume everything who are currently alive right so there's People are still trying to live their lives and still trying to figure things out. Uh, but meanwhile, resources are disappearing. Uh, people are becoming displaced as their planets and homes are destroyed. Um, and there are, uh, you know, greedy profiteers who are profiting off the panic as well. Um, however, in a lot of stories that are sort of apocalyptic, which I, I would say Bright is, you know, in many ways an apocalyptic story, um we see like it's all about like getting yours right like survival do what you need to do to survive uh morals no matter longer matter as much uh in burn bright the assumption is the opposite that the characters are people who dare to look at the end of existence and say this is no reason to stop having a heart this is no reason to stop being a good person, and so uh, you know that is sort of the theme of *Burn Bright*: is having hope in the face of hopelessness, and uh, remaining a good person when it seems like uh, there's no good reason to, other than like the morality of doing so, and and the reason for like being kind is the right thing to do. Um, mm. And That's so cool. that is a, a big, big part of, of Burn Bright. That's kind of a the theme.
3: That's awesome. Very cool So I I so basically what you're saying is your...
2: the Oh. Go ahead, Catherine.
3: Oh uh <laughs> just a quick quick thing. Um I see on the on the blog page that is announcing Burn Bright, the first thing it says basically is stare Oblivion in the face and dare to hope. I, I love that. It's Yes yeah. and yes, this is this is an awesome. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you so much.
2: I, I was just going to say, I feel like I feel like the burn is space COVID. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so right, and and it is. Uh, it's it's sort of apropos that it's coming out right now at a time where many of us are still doing our gaming digitally, right? And so it's it's built for a digital mm-hmm. platform, and it does have these themes of like everything's kind of bad right now um and uh and so uh, obviously we had no idea this was coming um and uh and and it just sort of uh, happened this way and when we were doing it we were there was a lot going on as far as uh refugees uh refugee Mm -hmm. crises which there still are all over the world um and also with uh with sort of like thinking about global warming and and that sort of thing so so those themes are definitely in there and the the idea of like we're running out of resources what do we do um you know uh i certainly there isn't a burn coming to consume us but uh similar things for sure
2: (laughs) for sure
0: Now you mentioned, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, you mentioned that this is uh, put out by Roll20, they're the publisher. Was that part of the original design, or what's the story behind uh, behind a Roll20 exclusive like this?
1: Sure, so Roll20 has a lot of... Other people's uh, content, RPG content from you know Modiphius and Wizards of the Coast and Paizo, right? You can go on there and buy those source books and adventures, and they're already loaded into Roll Twenty, ready to go for you. Right. Um, I worked with Roll Twenty, you know, about four years ago on a project called uh, The Master's Vault, which is a free Fifth Edition D and D adventure Mm -hmm. that teaches you how to play D and D and also how to use Roll Twenty. And from there, then I started to help them put content, Uh, they had just gotten their contract uh, with Wizards of the Coast, and I started to help them break apart the books and put them into Roll20. I was part of the initial team that did that. Um, And while that was going on, I was saying to Nolan T. Jones, who is their CEO, um, you know, you you all are are a place to come find content, kind of like Netflix was back in the day, right? Before Netflix started (laughs) making their own thing, um, they they had other people's content on there, and they still do. Uh, And I had said, you know, like, would you ever think about publishing your own stuff uh like like something built for roll 20 and he said funny you should mention that we've had this conversation already Mm -hmm. behind the scenes um and he said if you're ever interested let's talk and so we kind of kept that conversation going and uh and he said um you know uh, one day came to me and said like i've got the budget approved for this you know i i I would love for you to like start to put together a team and and we can talk. The only thought I have is that, like, uh, I'd like to not do medieval fantasy. I think science fiction is pretty cool right now. What do you mm. think about science mm-hmm. fiction? And I say, oh yeah, <laughs> I really like science fiction, but I don't like doing a lot of science what do you think of science fantasy <laughs> because then i can just say magic uh and we don't yes. have to worry about how close planets are together or how fast things move uh and so that's how how the idea came together is he said yep that sounds good uh and then uh, very quickly the other designers jim mcclure uh cat cool and darcy ross we're all brought on, um, and we we came up with this idea together of uh, the burn. And um, the one thing that is is very true about this game is I don't think any four of us could have come up with it on our own. And there are influences from every single person in there um, that uh, that I think make it a a much stronger and much more unique. Product than it would have been, uh, just you know, chilling. Um, So uh, you know, if just one of us had made it,
0: really cool. Yeah. Um, Another a thing that I love about it, and you've already mentioned it a little bit, but um, I think that it has a unique feel, and that kind of goes back to you know being made by four folks and and having a wide variety of input. But you mentioned that it's an apocalyptic story that has a more of an up. Beat attitude um, was, I, I'm i not sure. Like I know in, in your presentation for it, you talk about things like guardians of the galaxy and star Wars being, you know, other examples of the space fantasy, but at least in my understanding of those uh, products, they don't have the apocalyptic angle. So was that something to where you designed it to be original like that? Or was that again, just a happy accident of, something that that just sprung into existence
1: yeah it was so the the idea for the universe collapsing came about uh i was having a conversation with the other lead designer jim mcclure and we were talking about space and uh, and, you know, how big space was and uh, should we have some sort of like exploration system where you could find new planets and all this kind of thing. And we started to like sort of spin out of control and and we said, oh boy, this is a lot. Uh, we, we would have to make a lot if we want to do this. And then we said, but if we go the other way and... <laughs> You can't go everywhere, then we don't have to design as much. Uh, and so laziness uh, is where the idea for the the burn um, and the universe collapsing came from.
0: Now so so that nice. that begs the question because maybe it's just the way some of us are. but as soon as you talk about the burn and how everybody's going in, um, me as a player wants to see what's out. And what's past the burn? I know you said that it never been heard from again. Um, and the, the Star Wars nerd side of me wants to know what lies beyond this galaxy. Um, so is there, I know you said that there's not really an addressing in the book, but what might a player or a group of players see if they insist on pushing past the burn?
1: So I think that would be up to the, the GM, right? Mm. Now we have, th- there are some hints about what might be beyond there. The first is obviously maybe it's sudden death and you're gone and you've <laughs> entered the black void and uh, there's nothing there. That isn't a very fun way to run a game. uh <laughs> for most groups (laughs) um so uh but but that is certainly an option and and what most people fear about the burn right um however the burn there are a lot of uh planets or things that like touch or graze the burn right they don't get fully consumed by it um but maybe the rotation uh their rotation around a sun right might take a planet by it and they graze it and when they touch the burn um, they transform and it's kind of random, but there's a chart in the book that says like, here's a bunch of things that might happen to a planet. Maybe it becomes totally crystallized, uh, while it's on there. Uh, you know, maybe it, uh, becomes, uh, a planet that's covered in superstorms or hmm. lava, or maybe, you know, it's a planet where all the wildlife suddenly gets really big or really small or that kind of thing. Um, so it's, hmm. it's like, oh, there's all this sort of chaotic things that can happen to the burn and the burn also can give life to things so sometimes um when uh when if like a laser bolt uh you know like during a space battle you're shooting shooting laser cannons at each other from spaceships um uh, if if that grazes or hits the burn sometimes those bounce back and turn into living beings called laser beasts. Uh, and <laughs> cool. uh, and laser beasts are like, you know, kind of like chaotic, almost like laser elementals that go out there and and uh, have this desire to destroy and and break things. So there's obviously like a lot of chaos related to the burn. And so that's that's a big part of it. So if you went beyond there, it could be that maybe the burn has transformed. A bunch of things that it has uh, sucked in it could be maybe that it's another dimension maybe it's you know maybe our burn is a second big bang taking over and creating another reality um some people believe the burn is simply the end of a simulation right you you know that theory that all existence that we're in right now is a simulation uh uh, which is terrifying to think about too hard um (laughs) so some people think like oh this is just (laughs) (laughs) someone has shut the simulation down and this is what's happening now Uh, if that's true maybe it's a world like um, the not so hit cartoon reboot uh, on the other side Um, (laughs) so (laughs) Uh, Yeah, warning incoming game. Um, You know, so there's a lot of possibilities there. And I will say that. So after the idea for the burn came about, um, it was working with the other designers, right? That it was working with like, I remember Kat saying like, hey, this is a cool idea. Uh, but I don't like it. Games where people turn into terrible people because of their circumstances. And we were like, Yeah, that does feel cliche. You're right, Cat. And and so you know, we said like, Well, what if we flip this on its head and talk about like, you get a chance to be a real hero for people who really need it. And there's good reason for doing that. Uh, and so that's kind of where the marriage of those ideas came from. Just to circle back to your other question.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's a really, really? interesting uh, It's a really interesting pitch in that we just got done talking a few weeks ago with Alphineus Goo from uh, Gooey Cube Publishing. And he talked about how um, in his slot zero or, or session zero presentations, what he does is— uh, tries to make sure that the group has a singular objective or they're all coming from the same place. And that helps <laughs> his groups moving forward throughout the campaign to kind of have that cohesive aspect that's easier for a DM to to run with. Um, I think that the same thing is being done here, maybe for different reasons, but with Burnbright, is you're telling the group from the get-go, hey, when you play this game, the intent is for you to want to be heroic for you not to want to be dark and gritty and trying to take advantage Mm -hmm. of people and all that. Mm -hmm. But, but here's the singular objective for your group to go with. And I think that, um, that's what really ties this game in my mind, at least to other, uh, space fantasies like guardians or like Voltron or like star Wars is all of those things have this unifying theme of a group of heroes taking on, um, something dark something the impossible yeah the impossible yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. really cool
1: thanks thanks yeah yeah, yeah.
2: i i definitely like that aspect of of being heroes in the face of hopelessness that's that that it's yeah. it's, it's inspiring especially for right now
3: there's a lot not, not to say that any of these are, you know, "quote unquote," your fun is wrong, but like there, I've seen a lot lately of, um, you know, games or designs or supplements that are are specifically not that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really cool to to see something coming out that is uh, new and exciting and different, and you know, you are not you you can you can still do the classic hero thing um um, so that's that's really awesome
2: yeah and not everything has to be grimdark (laughs)
3: right yes yes the other another random side note uh i think it makes a lot of sense to have it be like science fantasy if it's coming out on a virtual tabletop i think that makes a lot of sense
1: oh sure yeah yeah that that's <laughs> very true right uh
3: <laughs> fun, fun little detail there <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well and that one of the things we wanted to keep in mind was like okay so so the reason we list our favorite fantasy stories there and and thinking about things like guardians of the galaxy and and star wars is uh, the game mechanics reflect that kind of story right this this sort of story where you have very competent heroes who are uh, kind of fighting against all odds they're not perfect people though right and they do make mistakes um, and sometimes they even make their situations worse. And so that's a, a big thing reflected in Burnbright. Burnbright's a skill-based system. Uh, so you have 18 skills that you can use. And uh, it's very player-focused. So when you go to overcome an obstacle, um, we let the player choose the skill and then justify it to the GM. So if you've ever... Oh, nice been in a D game where someone is trying to use animal handling to calm a, a rock down or to uh you know i don't know uh, you know they're they're using athletics to try to uh wrestle a bear or that kind of thing um uh we uh, we encourage that to happen in Burn Bright. We okay. we want the players to make those choices, and then the GM, as long as it's justifiable, right? So like if you're crossing a pit, um, you might choose to jump across the pit. Uh, that's that's great. That's a totally viable thing to do. Or you might choose to use a skill like engineering to figure out where you can uh if the pit is like inside a cavern uh, a cave right like where can i kick off the cave wall at the right point so that i sort of double jump across Mm. um (laughs) or you might choose to use your melee skill to hit your sonic caber on the ground really hard and then ride the sound <laughs> waves across um or and any number nice. of things you could think uh persuasion though right like if you use a skill like uh suave is one of our skills if you use suave to try to persuade the pit to close that's not going to work because the pit <laughs> can't be persuaded <laughs> to do that it's a pit right um right. and so, uh, a so you know fit. Right, exactly. It's within reason. Uh, And then the GM sets a complexity. Uh, And so you might say, that sounds really easy and creative. And so we're going to go, here's your complexity. Or you might say, whew, that sounds pretty hard. Uh, And so I'm going to let you try it, but it's going to be harder to do. And there's a higher complexity associated with it. Uh, And then when you succeed you you roll your dice each skill has a die size d4 d6 d10 d12 or d8 uh so you roll as many dice as there are equal to the complexity complexity is generally between two and four but can go all the way up to seven um so if you're making a complexity three athletics check and you have d d8 in your athletic skill you roll three d8 and then Uh, you look to see, did I roll any doubles? If you rolled doubles... You failed. If not, you succeeded, uh, and that's that's the core of the system, right? Is you're a competent hero, so we're rolling to see if you failed. Uh, we, the assumption is that you succeed, and roll twenty makes it very easy because they immediately show you all your dice rolls and type in giant capital letters, pass or fail, depending right. on what the <laughs> result is. Um, so, uh, so, and then there's all sorts of ways to modify rolls with abilities and that kind of thing. Um, and what's fun about that is if you fail, uh, you don't just fail to do the thing you set out to do, you make things worse. Mm-hmm uh and so that's nice. how how failure works in burn bright right so we get great moments of like oh i'm i now i broke this thing and things are worse like <laughs> i've fallen into the bottom of the pit now or uh i i i jumped across and i did okay but i collapsed the ground behind me and now all my friends have to deal with that um so uh. you know there's there's a lot of different things we have a whole failure prompts table that is worded vaguely uh so you roll on it and you can select a prompt and like the first thing on it is something breaks. Um, and that can work for a lot of different skills. Maybe a piece of equipment breaks, maybe your bone breaks, uh, or maybe uh, the temper of a person you are trying to negotiate with suddenly mm-hmm, breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all kind of within there to uh, to help people go. Um, now, the other thing you might be thinking to yourself is, why wouldn't I just always use my best skills if I can justify them, right? Um, and the answer is, you, there's a really powerful resource called Nova Points. Um, there are no humans in Burnbright. They're all what would be to us alien species. Um, and they all have sort of superpowers associated with their anatomy and physiology. Uh, and you activate those superpowers with these Nova Points and you earn a Nova nice. Point every time you use a skill of a different die size. So uh, once you use a D4, a D6, a D8, a D10, and a D12, um, you mark each off on your sheet as you go. Succeed or fail with that skill, you've used it. And then uh, you earn a Nova Point. All those uh, check marks get erased, um, which is really easy to do again in Roll20. Uh, and then you can spend that Nova Point to activate one of your superpowers.
0: Really cool. So I can dig that. So I know that you said that, so there's 18 skills and Mm -hmm. each skill is reflected, your proficiency in the skill is reflected by the type of dice, so D4, D8, etc. So as you, you, is this a game where you level? So those proficiencies will increase so that eventually at a high level, you'll have maybe a lot of D12s or a lot of D8s and D12s and not so many D4s?
1: Yeah. So it is, uh, you progress through the game through uh, story paths. Um, and so you pick a story path at the beginning and story paths are sort of five act uh, structures that each character has. And then when you're finished a story path, you can pick another one. You can do the same. Uh, and they have little branching things in them. Uh, and they're, those two are pretty broad. Uh, so, uh, you know, revenge is a story path or uh, create a masterpiece or uh, uh, g- Compete in a contest, right? Gotcha. Um, go to school. These are all sort of story paths that have vague words so that they can be fit into the story. And then there are different events, and depending on the outcome of each event in that story path, which your GM works into the campaign, um, you get some sort of bonus. And often that is a increase the die size of one of your skills. Hmm. Uh, so it is a game where you will eventually have, uh, you know, more skills that are are beefier than your others uh, but uh, they increase one at a time gotcha. and you can't increase a skill uh if it's the only one you have like you if you only have one d6 skill you can't increase that d6 skill until you have another because you mm. need to be able to earn
0: nova points so that's, that's right.
1: one of the restrictions and it kind mm. of makes you build a little more evenly as well
0: that's really cool that that, that actually answered my question fantastically so cool yeah <clears throat> um we're about out of time here. I uh, probably got time for a couple more uh discussion points. Um one that's standing out to me, um I know you've put out a lot of things on the DM skills, so you're used to dealing with virtual product. Um that being said, I know the feeling that I get when I make something, when I write something and I get it in print in front of me and I there's a special feeling that comes from that. Uh is burn bright i know i know it's published by roll 20 but is there any is there any hope is there any expectation that eventually there will be a physical copy book to go along with the roll 20 aspect or is it always and forever going to be that virtual product
1: uh, so I know that for now uh, it is going to be a virtual product. So the the decisions as far as that goes are all in Roll20's hands sure. as the publisher. Uh, but I do know that there are plans uh, that are in the works to make things even more accessible to people uh i don't know if that means a print product i don't know if that means a pdf i don't know if it means uh you know i'm not a hundred percent sure i can say uh what it all means or (laughs) or where it's all going but i can say that um we are working on other forms of bringing people burn bright, uh, not just through the roll 20 compendium, but for now, uh, and probably for a while, it's going to stay that way because they sure. want people to, they want to see if this works. Yeah. So. They want to
0: drive people to their platform and, and this is a cool but way definitely. to do that. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. I, I'm definitely not, I mean, I think all of the DMS, all of us here on bite size use roll 20 as our VTT of choice. We all love, uh, that platform. Um, that being said, I have a whole shelf of books behind me that I love even more, so I'm always interested in the uh, the book aspect. So.
1: Yes, and and certainly, you know, I I too have a a full shelf of books books that I reference constantly and use at the table when uh, when I whenever I do play in person, which has not been for months and months now. But uh, yeah. you know, um, yeah. so. Uh, So I've got, I I feel that uh, I would love to see, you know, speaking just personally uh, as me, like, sure. sure, I would love to see Burnbright in a, in a print copy.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Cool.
1: That would be cool. I would like that.
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, Troy or Catherine, anything else Uh, itching at your brain to get out?
2: Uh, The only thing I have is I, I just want to thank James for, what will soon to be 200 episodes of Tabletop Babble. Um, it's always been a lot of fun. Uh, it has turned me on to a lot of things. It has changed my perspective on things as well. Um, for the better, I, I think. Um, it has put me on paths of trying to find uh, new and diverse products in, in both style and uh, author. Oh, wow. And uh, I just want to say thank you for that.
1: Hey, uh, thank you, Troy. I, that means a lot to me. Uh, Tabletop Babble has been a huge uh, labor of love, and it is uh, very hard to uh, step away from it. Um, so I'm glad to hear that uh, that it means a lot to you, uh, because sometimes it feels like you're just... Shouting into a microphone and wondering if other people are listening, oh, <laughs> but man. I'm sure you all can relate.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 Well, mm-hmm. uh, Troy has had numerous conversations with us where we'll be talking on something and he'll say, "Well, yeah, uh, that's like the interview, uh, Daniel Kwan interview on Tabletop Babble or whatever," yeah. and he'll he'll get onto a tangent about what episode he just listened to. So um, it definitely has affected us, and we appreciate. Uh, uh everything that you're doing there and just in the uh tabletop industry in general. Um anytime your name comes up on something, um, there's at least a very strong likelihood that I'm going to own it and love it. So oh, thank so, you. Yeah.
3: I will admit I haven't I'm not uh in tune to Tabletop Babble, but uh just uh looking at this game. Um I always sort of figured I would be like mainly just a DD and d tabletop person. But mm-hmm. um, I think this, this this RPG would probably be the first one that I have run across. Um, I'm sure there are... Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. that is like, you know what? This concept uh, and this, this tone seems worth learning a new system to dm to me so um i'm sure that this new product of yours is gonna um you know touch people's lives and change people and stuff the way that tabletop battle has with troy so awesome wow. stuff
1: wow that's thank all. Catherine. that means a ton to me that that you would say that so thank you um and uh you know that's uh It's just uh, very cool that uh, that uh, you're interested in in checking out because I know that is a time uh, investment and a money investment often for for people uh, to uh, to get a new game, to read a new game, to teach players a new game and and that kind of thing. So um, so thank you for saying that. That means a ton. Mm
0: -hmm. Sweet. Troy, what do you what do you want to close out with? You had a question for him.
2: Oh, uh, because so, what's next? Can you can you uh, can you speak to what's next, or is it top secret? <laughs>
1: Uh, so I can speak a little bit to what's next. Uh, so I, I know for Burn Bright, um, there are two other products that will be coming, uh, I believe, before the end of the year, knock on wood. Um, one is a longer adventure. So there's a starter adventure right now, um, and there are obviously the core rules are out right now. There there will be a longer adventure with everything loaded up in Role play- 20 you need to play. Uh, that adventure uh, will be coming soon uh and then there's also an expansion coming that gives you more creatures and more spaceships uh spaceship options for players and like npc spaceships that you can use to build space battles and things like that it's sort of like a you know a morden canaan's tome of foes but for burn bright um so uh That's very cool yeah yeah so that will be there as well um for uh for people to uh to check out and enjoy i am uh Really excited about that. And then uh, in the non Burn Bright news, uh, I can say that I am currently working on a full length, like very long, 300 uh, plus page Zweihander adventure as well um, for oh. the the Zweihander system, um, which is. Uh, very different from burn bright it's a grim dark medieval fantasy uh, kind of thing um <laughs> yep, so yep. but yeah very fun very fun as well to to work on that so uh, yeah so i'm all over the place uh working on on different things and uh if you're a dnd fan uh i will be working uh with mcdm on uh kingdoms and warfare sure. um so that's that's picking up nice. too so yeah yeah. Yep. I'll be uh, in the word
0: Fantastic, lines. That's right. I tune into uh, uh, Colville's uh, weekly Twitch stream, and your name comes off just about every week, so I'm <laughs> excited to see what comes of it. So
1: Yes. Yeah, I, lo- I love working with Matt. He's, uh, he's great, and those Twitch streams are awesome.
0: Yeah, uh, a lot of the insight uh, for our listeners. I don't think we've talked about it much, but uh, if you are interested in writing things, publishing things, creating things, um, you could do a lot worse than tuning into that Twitch stream and basically, getting a intimate view on the creative and publishing process that goes into a big project, so it's really cool. <clears throat> All right, James, where can they find you? Uh, what social medias do you inhabit?
1: Yes, so I am on worldbuilderblog.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at James Intricasso, Uh And you can also find out more about Burnbright at burnbright.com. And Bright is spelled B-R-Y-T-E.
0: Absolutely. We'll have links to all of that down in the show notes. James, thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully this won't be the last time
1: hopefully thank thank you you so so much much for having me yeah
0: no problem guys uh thank you so much for tuning in uh you got two episodes this week uh really appreciate you guys hanging in for those two sci-fi episodes so we broke up the mold a bit um yeah if you haven't yet go back uh to yesterday's episode and check out our interview uh or or the last episode i should say and check out our interview uh with william lynn and his mothership supplement that was a really fun one as well so, uh, thanks again, James. Thanks, Troy. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, thanks to all our listeners and we'll see you next week.
1: Bye. Thank you
2: everybody. Great games.
1: Thank you. Bye. <laughs> wow.